stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 227 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. After retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is grieving parents and organ donation. Organ donation from one donor can save up to eight lives and enhance 75 other lives through the gift of tissue. Organ donation is subject to strict ethical and medical standards. Organ donation can be a way of honoring the donor as well as passing on life to others. But organ donation struggles with rates of registration of donors that are too often in or below the range of 20% of persons who could be donors. Decisions by families regarding organ donation by a loved one are affected by many things, such as the circumstances of the death and the grieving of the family especially when the parents are grieving the death of their child, which is why our topic, Grieving Parents and Organ Donation, is so important. Our guest is Emile Terrien. Emile uh, retired in July 2006 after 18 years as president of the Canada Safety Council. He and his wife, Beth, are passionate spokespersons on organ and tissue donation, He continues to be a widely respected and much sought-after speaker on matters of public health and safety. Public health and safety has been his mission throughout his career and in his private life. His community participation is driven by a concern for effective public safety, a humane and compassionate criminal justice system, and the crucial need to increase organ donation. As a volunteer, he serves numerous organizations such as the Trillium Gift of Life Network, the Canadian Blood Services, the Kidney Foundation of Canada, the Church Council on Justice and Corrections, and the Social Justice Network. So welcome to the show, Emile. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Dr. Atherley. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Now, I'm doing very well, thank you very much. Now, I want to hear from you. Uh, please tell us more about your family's story, Emil. Well, it was just in June 17, 2006, Sarah Beth was 32 years old. Just a week before she died, she had suffered sudden cardiac arrest. And she was on really life support for six days, and she died on, on June 17, 2006. And in death, she became an organ donor. And she became what we call 
the first donor after cardiac death in Canada. Most organ donors are brain death. They were the first what we call cardiac death. Now, I'm going to ask you to just clarify that a little bit. Well, I guess, and I'm not an expert here, so you've got to bear with me. Uh, actually, about uh, 30,000 people die in Ontario hospitals every year, and only 4% of, 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 of people who die in hospital are brain death. So what I'm saying essentially is it's a biological issue, and in the case of Sarah, the brain stopped before the heart. I should say the heart stopped before the brain. And that's basically, you know, it's, it's one or the other. In Sarah's case, you know, it was a case where her heart did stop and then the brain stopped. So it's really a biological issue. So, And she was really the person since then. There's been almost 300 procedures involving what we call DCD in Ontario, and well over 500 lives have been saved. And it's growing right across the country. Emil, I want you just to say a little bit more about how you felt when you knew that it was a cardiac death oh, rather just, than a brain death. Well, Dr. Appley, i got to be very honest with you. Beth and I are now 71, and this happened when we were 63, and we know so little about organ and tissue donation. We really knew so much about biology in the body. And, you know, I apologize to say that, but that's the way it is, and I think... We're very representative of most Canadians, you know. Uh, Sarah, coincidentally, a few days before she died, she was a very, very healthy child. She was a runner. She was a walker. She was lean, and she she lived a very, very healthy lifestyle. And the amazing thing is, she came down with this and died. And 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 the irony of it, the irony of, uh, irony of this, that we were taken so back that a young, vibrant, healthy person could die so young. Now, that raises the next question I have for you, which is, please talk to us about your family's feelings about death and organ donation. How do you and your wife feel about death and organ donation now in the light of... um, of um, Sarah's story. Well, it's a, it's a tremendous legacy for Sarah Beth and certainly for our family. As I said earlier, you know, it's been, in terms of numbers, I think it's very, very important when you come to organ donation. But, you know, I think it, it, it's a consolation knowing that she was an organ donate, uh, donor, you know, sustains us during very, very difficult times. You know, she went on and saved two lives. She also, her corneas were donated, and, you know, uh, and two people regained full sight. One, an 84-year-old person, one, a 32-year-old person. So that, that's stri- quite striking. And that lives on with you, doesn't it? That sense that your daughter helps save lives, improve the quality of other people's lives um, as an act of caring for other people. Is that right? Yeah, very much so. Absolutely. No question about it. Now, in that way, I'm going to be asking you, is that a message that's important to get across to other families in the situation that you were in? It won't oh, be identical. absolutely, Dr. Athley. That's the thing. We do, we speak a lot on this, you know, and I write and we speak about Beth and I do, and it's the message to get through to people that, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a very selfless act. You know, by doing this, you know, somebody is really going on and leaving behind them a, a wonderful legacy. And I think when we speak to groups, this is the message we, we convey. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And historically, Canadians seem to have a cultural aversion to a organ and tissue donation, but I think that's changing. Although, yes. you know, the numbers are square, we still need a lot more people to sign those cards. 
Right. Now, we're going to be talking about that in a moment, but let me just stay with you on Sarah Beth's story. Um, when you learned that it was a cardiac death, that is to say, the heart had stopped beating, the heart had stopped doing what it was supposed to do. Am I right about that? Yeah, That's absolutely. What yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's now, really my, my understanding of the doctor athlete. Okay. Now, what about her brain? What about her ability to understand? What about her ability to communicate with you? No, there was absolutely no communications whatsoever. For all intents and purposes, we were told she was brain dead. Yeah. There was very, very little brain activity. So, in other words, this was the first stage in a death that occurred quite quickly. Is that yes, right? Absolutely, yes. Oh, yes, after, you know, she was taken off life support, the death came very, very quickly. Yeah. Now, did you have, I'm, I want to ask you this, I'm asking you this sort of about you and your wife's feelings. Um, did you have any, at that moment, any anxieties or concerns or even awareness of the issues of organ donation? Well, uh, let me tell you, Dr. Affley, we were consoled through the whole process by the, ho by the hospital chaplain, uh, by the medical ethicist, and, uh, and, by, and by the social worker. They were always by our side, and they were just wonderful. You know, and, and thinking back, we really leaned on them, and I think they were our guiding path, you know, over and above what we, you know, from what we heard from the, from the medical people. Yeah. So this was caring and of its best kind. Yes. Your, your, your daughter cared for people who she would never know, but she nevertheless cared for them. You cared for them, for her and what was happening as a family. And the, the medical staff, the medical people, cared for you and for your daughter in this whole process. Is that Ab right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we were very, very lucky. I mean, we were, the hospital was very, very close to where Sarah Beth lived and to where we lived, like five minutes away. And so we, we had a, a tremendous affinity to that hospital. And, you know, we didn't know any of the players there, but we knew who they were. Right. Now, it's time for us to take a short break. So this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Emile Terrien. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Emile Therrien. Our topic is grieving parents and organ donation. Emile, now let's talk about organ donation and about the question of who it matters to and why it matters to them. So, Emile, you've looked, you've studied this subject now. Please summarize for us the benefits of organ donations for the people who receive the organs the benefits for the donors, and the benefits for the grieving families. Well, Dr. Affley, when you consider in this country, Canada, 4,000 people are on waiting lists for transplants, over 1,500 alone in Ontario, including over 30 children. So that I think that number speaks for itself. Yeah. And there is absolutely no question, 70% of the need are for uh, uh, people who have kidney disease or on dialysis. About 70% of those represent that, so you look at that number. And when we consider Dr. Office, in this country, it costs $70,000 a year to keep a person on dialysis. That's a significant number. It's what I call the billion-dollar loss industry. So if we could take two or three, four or five of these people you know, off dialysis every year, every week, or whatever, through a kidney transplant, you just think, you know, and I hate to sound crass <laughs> commercial, but that's what we're talking about, money. And these people, you know, leave the hospital in no time. They go, off, they go on to live long and healthy lives. So it's an incredible medical procedure, and it works. So one of the beneficiaries is the healthcare system. Absolutely. There's no question about it. Why not? Now, what about the donors themselves? What are the benefits of organ donation? Well, I think in the case of Sarah, it was a tremendous... It it consoled us during very, very difficult times. And the other thing I think, Dr. Atherley, is that it's a tremendous legacy for, for Sarah. You know, I'm sure she's up there and she said, Oh, my God, I'm glad I did it. I hope that many more Canadians step up and play and do the same thing. Yeah. Now, what about the benefits for grieving families? Oh, I think uh, there was a recent case in Ottawa where a young girl, Rowan Stringer, died. She she died in a terrible accident playing rugby. And I think her family pretty well shares the same attitudes we did. You know, it's a legacy for that child. And they were so happy that their child could become an organ donor. Right. Tremendous. I think it's, 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 it's consoling and it makes you, it makes you feel that something very, very, as bad as death is, that something good could, can, can come out of, of death. There's no question about that. Are there any ways in which the names of donors, like, like your daughter, um, are honored? Are there any lists of people anywhere? Uh, no. I don't think so, Dr. Atherley. I think, you know, 
trillion gift of life of the organ and tissue donation agency of the Ministry of Health in Ontario. No, I don't think there's a there's an honor roll, and I I don't, I don't think uh, you know Sarah and Roe and all these other people would really want that. Their job was to make sure somebody lived after they died, and, and it's happening. That's what they wanted. Yeah, good good answer. Now, next question. Please explain more about the needs for organ donations and donors. You've already said something about that, but I want you to say why the needs are so important and give us some sense of the pressing nature of those uh, needs. Well, when you consider the number on waiting lists across this country, and you've got to remember many die while waiting, and some never have the opportunity to get a transplant. So when it comes about, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, pardon the pun, dying and going to heaven. They just can't realize it happens. When somebody, whether it's a heart transplant or a kidney transplant or whatever, it allows them, and if the procedure goes well, it allows them to get well again, you know, for, you know, and allows them to go on and live, you know, pretty productive and long lives. It's just incredible the real benefit that comes out of organ donation. Would you go so far as to say it's a kind of medical miracle? I would say that, yes, and I think, you know, uh, in terms where it fits in the grand scheme of medical uh, procedures in this country, I think it's really developing a big footprint. More Canadians are becoming aware of it, more Canadians are aware of what it could do, and more Canadians are signing up, albeit, albeit not as quick as I'd like to see them do it, but they're doing it. There's a more of an awareness of this, and I think you'll agree you hear more about it every day. Yes, thanks to people like you, I'm Well, yeah, well, we do our share, and, you know, we enjoy doing this because we think it could make a difference in the lives of people. Right. Now, my next question is about the progress that's being made. You've said progress is being made in meeting the needs. Tell us about the challenges that remain, and who is it that the challenges remain for? Well, some of the challenges, you've got to realize a country like Canada, you know, there's only so many transplant centers. Uh, the London Health Science Center in London, Ontario is probably the foremost in this, can in this country. Of course, Toronto has its share. Uh, Ottawa does in the major cities, but in a lot of small towns and smaller hospitals, you know, they just don't have the ability or capacity to do transplants. And that will always be a drawback. So we, what we got to make sure is that people in these small towns and the smaller communities have access to larger transplant centers. Just to ask you a technical question, what sort of time um, is, can elapse after... I know this is a ghastly question to ask, but I'm still going to ask it. Somebody has died. How long have the doctors, the pathologists, and so on got to remove the organ and prepare them for transplantation well, to if, somebody if, else? If I could tell you about Sarah Beth's experience, Sarah was in the hospital from Sunday through to Saturday, and she died. And we had made the decision to withdraw life support. So it was Saturday to about 3 p.m., we, you know, they withdraw, withdrew life support. We were there. And then she died, and within two hours, they had come back saying that her corneas and, and kidneys were taken. So they're almost like two hours in our case. So it's yeah. very, very, very quick. And, yes. and I, I guess they got to do it. You being a medical doctor would know more than me. I guess, you know, they got to make sure that the de deterioration of the body and organs and everything. So that time, that timeline's got to be pretty quick, and they got to do it very, very quickly. And at the Ottawa Hospital, they did a wonderful job. 
right. Now, what that goes back to is your point about there not being all that many centers around that can do this kind of work. And if you live out in the country, uh, you may be a long way from one of these centers, and the journey time... Oh, you're absolutely right. You look at the uh, the air ambulance service, the Ontario government, those orange helicopters or planes, a lot of those we see fly Dr. Afliachi carrying organs. You know, from say uh, uh, wherever you know to Toronto or wherever, where to Ottawa or wherever it is, you know. So that's a big part of the the role of the, of uh, Orange, as we know it. So they're doing it. They're they're alive and well and doing that extremely well. So, but you're you're right though. The timing is extremely extremely important. And in that sense, time is timing is money because it takes money to build these centers and create them and staff them, and all these, the needs, I don't think, are very predictable locally. That is to say, as I understand it anyway, the team has to be ready to spring into action. Oh, I could remember uh, the team around Sarah Beth was just unbelievable. You're absolutely right. That team struck into action so, so very quickly, and there were more than a few of them. <laughs> more than a few of them, you know, and they were just, they were hot to trot and they got the job done, but you're, at, but you're right, Dr. Affany, mobilizing that team. We speak a bit about that after Sarah died. It was just like, it, it, it's like, like a precise Fine. That's exactly what it is. Everybody knows what to do, and everybody's got to be there. Everybody has a role. Right. Now, you mentioned money in the sense that organ donation of the kind you're talking about can save a lot of money because yeah. of the cost. And you, you mentioned the cost of transfusing people, uh, well, the, the various things they do to people uh, when they have kidney failure yeah and so therefore there's considerable money saving concerned with what we're doing um sorry go ahead i was just going to say do you think healthcare system and governments take enough account of the money saving oh they are now dr afri more and more as people speak out about the new the need for it more and more as as i said earlier as transplantation creates a bigger footprint there's a greater awareness of it and there's a greater awareness of it within government and within the uh, with the uh, by the medical community absolutely no question if you could tell somebody you know that you know that person got a, a kidney transplant on the weekend three days later that person is off dialysis at home immediately and, and not only the, the cost savings but you know the typical person on dialysis in canada goes to the hospital three or four times a week could you imagine what that does to your psychological health so you know if you spare the person doing that save the money you've made a tremendous contribution that last thing you said about making the contribution to the life of the individual by really changing it fundamentally oh, yes. from a challenge to something that's good and going forward. Do you think the public, you know, the wider public, understand that well enough? No, but they're getting to understand it. I could tell you that <laughs> yeah, more and more. And I see, I you know, a wonderful show you're like you're like they get help get the message about. And there's more and more people who you know have you know have the family experience Beth and I have. You know, are, are speaking out and saying you know this this can happen. Wonderful things could happen. You know, and the wonderful thing I say about transplantation, it's a legacy anybody could leave. Yes, yes, indeed. And so what that then comes to is communication with the public and say, you, in effect, 
may have the life of someone else in your hands where your hand is holding a pen to sign a form. Is is that right? Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So through this... When you consider in Ontario the most popular, 23% of people have actually signed a donor card. We need more. We need a lot more. And I should also tell you, Dr. Atherley, in the ethnic communities, uh, the, the, uh, the less than 3% of people have signed a card. Yet in the ethnic communities, about 10% of transplants are, are, are required by members of the ethnic community. So you, you see how things are a little out of balance here, why we got to really redress that and, you know, go out to all ethnic groups and say, you know, we all have a role in this and we can all make it happen. And get the message out. Yeah, get the now, message out. Now, again, it's time for us to take a break. So we're going to do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Emile Terrier. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. How do you know if you're living with an addict? If you think you know all the recognizable signs, you probably don't. If you're listening to and reading from the so-called experts, you probably don't. You need to hear from a parent, just like yourself, who has been there and can tell you what it's like firsthand. Please listen to Afflicted by Addiction with Bradley DeHaven. Our program is heard every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It just might save your life or the life of someone you love. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling. Whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Emile Therrien. Our topic is grieving parents and organ donation. Emil, now let's talk about the questions that families and family caregivers 
grieving the death of a child ask themselves about organ donation and related things. So my first question then is, what are the questions that families and family caregivers ask themselves about life support and related medical matters? What, what, what were the answers that you well, and your family accepted? You've got to realize, Dr. Atherley, in these situations, the medical community are very leery to broach parents of a dying child or a dying relative, you know, about organ and tissue donation. You know, I guess that's just something that goes with the territory. But I think you, you have alternatives now where it's no longer, you know, the most responsible physician in charge, but people, they are operating through the social worker and through the medical ethicist and, and through the chaplain to agree about, you know, about broaching the family on the possibility of organ donation. And I think that is, for, for all intents and purposes, has made a has done a lot to really get people in that ICU unit, you know, you know, talk at least talking about it, and you know, and putting themselves in a in a position where you know the the, the doctors and nurses could approach them about organ donation. Now, I just want to ask you about this word or these two words, life support, because it's very easy to say them, but what we're talking about, Emil, am I right? Is actually withdrawing people from life support. Absolutely. Right. Now, that's, in anybody's language and in anybody's culture, is an enormously difficult thing to do for someone you love, for a child, for people who are important to you, to, as it were, give the nod for the life support to be withdrawn. How did you and your family cope with that? Very, very difficult. We realized, you know, you know, we always thought, you know, the Lazarus principle that Sarah could, you know, rise from that bed and be well, but, you know, that wasn't going to happen. And we knew at the end of the day, you know, that we had to, we didn't want, they could have kept Sarah on life support for a long time, but eventually she was brain dead, she was very sick, and we did not want to see Sarah in, in, in that position, you know, going and visit her four times, four or five times a week, you know, with no response. So I think we made the appropriate decision. It was difficult, but we had to make it. Yes. And I think, Dr. Athley, that's the question we get from a lot of families. You know, say, how did you make that decision? We say, you know, it wasn't easy, but, you know, there's people, I think the guy upstairs helped us, you know, and, and, and family and friends really did. It was also an act of courage. On the part of you and your wife, wasn't well, it? Well, I think so, but, well, I don't know if it's an act of courage. I think it's something we had to do. You know, we're, we were Roman Catholics, and we knew, but, you know, we we were taught as kids and in church about the value of life, the morality and everything, you know. And But you know, we also knew that the Catholic Church, you know, we, as Catholics, you know, uh, they, they, they support, the, uh, you know, uh, the withdrawal of life support in very difficult situations. Right. Now, I am going to, you've been talking about your own religion, and I want to now ask you about the questions that families, parents, ask themselves about their own religious, ethical, and social beliefs. Um, And I want to ask you to suggest to those of people who may be listening who are not Catholics, or maybe not Christians, may belong to another faith, um, or maybe have no faith at all, what were the answers that you would suggest to those good people uh, that they should consider when the question yeah. of 
what to do comes up. Emil? I think if I could just make a point, Dr. Athley, you know, Judaism, Hinduism, all the, you know, the, 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 the world religions, you know, they all favor organ and tissue donation. But surveys tell us that most people, even Roman, Roman Catholics, know so little about it. <laughs> <laughs> you understand what I'm saying there? So it's a message again through the same. If you're a Hindu, you know, Hindu, your faith and religion really supports organ and tissue donation. The first thing, well, I didn't know that. But, and I think the Trillion Gift for Life Network in Ontario is making tremendous efforts in getting through to all the ethnic groups in Ontario to say, you know, you're part of it. You're, you're part of this province. You're part of our healthcare system. You can make tremendous contributions, medical and otherwise, so get on board. And in doing so, you're saving lives. Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. At the end of the day, that, that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you uh, still the same type of question, which is to do with the questions that families ask themselves when it comes to their child's wishes. Now, please tell us again how Sarah Beth's wishes were known ahead of her death, and what was it about her beliefs that led you to the conclusion that you did come to? And so what about the answers to other families, other parents, other family caregivers who are facing that situation of wondering about the child's wishes? Well, it's a funny thing, and a, and a twist of fate, just one week before Sarah Beth died, my wife and I, our son, lived in New Jersey with his family. He's a former professional hockey player, and we were going out to see him. And Sarah came on, Sarah at her own home, and Otto came over and see him. And she had watched a documentary on organ and tissue donation that I think it came out on American Channel late before. She made the point, just in case you know, I've signed my card. If I'm gone, I want someone else to live. And they, they are the exact words she, she used. So it was a real twist of fate. Yeah. So it sort of facilitated our decision. That's what she wanted. And she was, she was a very sincere and honest kid. There's no question about it. So do you understand what I'm saying there? That, you know, it was like opening the door for us. Thank you, Sarah, for helping us make that decision. Yes. She spoke to you. Yep. And she conveyed the message yep. to her. Not to ever you. Thinking, thinking she lived to be 100. <laughs> yes. Yes. As we all do. Yes. yes. Yes, but she actually said, I have, have taken a decision. That yeah. may not have been her wording exactly. Yeah. And I think she either would have said or would have implied, I want you, mom and pop, to respect the yeah. decision I've made. Yeah. Is that right? Do what you got to do, mom and dad. That's absolutely right, Gord. There's no question about it. Now, that's a, these are very powerful and strong words because to parents who are in the grieving, the agony of grieving, because it is it, it's, it's agony. It's grief, yeah. And where you have a faith and it helps you, but you're still grieving and yeah. you're still troubled and you're still wondering if you did something wrong. There's yeah. guilt associated with these things in so many lives what did i do wrong could i have yeah. done something better could i have cared better so that when a message comes through loud and clear yeah. in the way that it did with you it actually gives strength to you and to the family and to the future 
that it came from the best possible source, that is the child, who had no, no reason to think that this was going to, within a week or so, become a reality. Oh, you're absolutely we- right. You're absolutely I, I have You have articulated what we've been saying for a long time. I know that I'm pushing you, and I can hear the emotion in your voice, Emile. Uh, I want you to know that um, I have profound respect for you, because what I'm hearing is a person who cares, who cared, a, f- a mother and a father who care and who cared, have drawn strength and are now wanting to encourage others to travel the same road where it becomes necessary that you did and take notice of the kind of things that you take took notice of am i right in saying oh absolutely yes yep that's i think uh, if we have a mission in life now and we've spent a lot of time on this issue you know we try to tell people you know what we did and they ask they ask a lot of questions because they want to make sure a lot of them, you know, will walk away and say, well, no, that's not for us. But a lot say, yeah, you know, it makes a lot of sense. It sure makes a lot of sense. And you've got to realize now, Dr. Athery, you know, some donors are being their late 80s. <laughs> so medical science has come a long way. Yes, yes. Yes, I was going to say that's the thing that we forget is yeah. that it, it's everybody can be a donor. Yes, I think... I think at one time, by law in North America, I think it was maybe 65 years old. Now that, that, those laws have been thrown out, so it could be any age, depending on medical, you know, on, on, on your state, your medical state. And, and in, turn, in terms of corneas, you know, I heard of one a 98-year-old, you know, died, and their corneas were taken and given to a person who needed. That's amazing, 98 years old. Yeah, so what this all comes to is a marvelous opportunity for bringing communities together and um, really beginning to see that it's us as individuals that play a powerful role in some of the miracle cures that really are miracles in healthcare and in medical practice. And in that sense... you're absolutely right. I, you know, I got to give a plug to the transplant, transplant community across this country. You know, we've got to know them so well. They're so committed and they're so professional and they're so very, very, very good. So for those people who are considering making that decision, I can tell you, you know, your fate is in the hands of some of the most professional medical people in this country, and they won't let you down. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a profoundly important thing, isn't it? Because well, you got to trust uh, in those guys and girls. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and that what that says is it's professionalism with a heart. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Uh, and we all want to be looked on that way. And here now is you, your wife, as a family, being part of a team of very specialized people doing caring for others yeah. out of your own family's misfortunes and circumstances. I think they've embraced us. I, I, I think they want to hear from us. I think they think we're pretty, we're, uh, we're, uh, we're pretty credible and, and we do the right thing, you know, and, and things are going to, you know, things are happening. <laughs> Absolutely. You know. And they're right. a good, they're a group, you know, they're like, like all people, they're fun, you know, they're, they're up and down, but they want to do the best thing and they want transplants. That's what they do. Yep. 
transplants are us. Yeah, that's now, the transplants are us. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, we have to take um, uh, the break again. So let's do that. This is Dr. Gordon Avery, and my guest is Emile Terrien. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Power River. Please stay with us. We will be back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Many people are seeking to make a difference in the world, but few actually have the tools to do so. Every week, host Mary Beth Lodge and her guests will have you thinking forward and will give you the tips to keep your life goals, priorities, and choices on track. The result is an easier, happier, and more inspired life. The name of the program is What Matters. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What really matters is the positive changes that you'll bring to your life and the world just by listening. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Emile Therrien. Our topic is grieving parents and organ donation. Now, Emile, I want you to talk about more things that you and your wife want to do and things that you both want to see done to help families and family caregivers and parents grieving the death of a child and making decisions about organ donation. So let's start with you both, Emil. What do you want to do to increase help for families in the grieving situation arising from the death of a child, and making decisions about organ donation. Well, I think there's a lot of organizations in play there. There's the Kidney Foundation, where, you know, people who have, you know, have families who have donated a kidney. There's also people like the Ottawa Hospital have a, have a grieving center for people who have been involved in the organ of transplant donation. But there are organizations in, you know, around that, you know, will, will, will help you along in that grieving process. There's no question about that. Right. Do you want to see more done by those organizations or do you want to see other organizations getting involved well, or do you I think, think it's okay i think what we have now is, is adequate you know it wouldn't hurt to have more but i, I think you know you, you can't have many too many because you could you know split it quite thin and i think the organizations now are committed they're very uh, they're they're resourceful and i think they're doing the job very good now what would you like to see done more generally by what I call the healthcare and social systems. Um, you see, you've been talking earlier about the team, the chaplain, um, the ethicist in the hospital, um, specialized people who 
are now part of the medical team. And I can tell you that in my time, uh, way back, they weren't, or they weren't as much as they are today. So what would you like to see the healthcare system and social systems as a whole do to increase awareness, increase help, and just generally promote all the good things that flow from decisions like Sarah Beth made and like you made. I well, mean, I would think, you know, uh, if we could get that more people, you know, uh, there's, they, they, to become donors, to at least speak about it with their families and their friends and everything. I, 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 I think, the, you know, within the hospitals that have transplant centers and the Trillion Gift for Life Network, I think they're doing about as much as they can do, in, you know, considering the conditions that we do have in Ontario. As I said earlier, Dr. Athley, we're limited to the number of transplantations we could do every year because only so many centers in the province do it, and that's unfortunate. And, and that's not going to change. You know, that's not going to change overnight if it ever changes. I don't think it will. So I, I think we have limitations and we have re- restrictions. But I think, you know, the social service and the medical services, I think, with the resources they have, I think they're doing a pretty credible job. Right. I'm going to push you a bit on this because when you talk about resources, what we're really often talking about is money. And as you know, more and more, um, charities are involved. They're heavily involved in many things. Um, and there's something called crowdfunding, which is where, you know, people are encouraged to make small donations through the internet. Do you see the need for more charitable funding, money raising, to increase the number of centers in Canada and right across North America through efforts at community fundraising of various kinds. What do you think? That's a question I would have a difficult you know, time answering. I'm not so sure. I think the organizations that should be funded more are organizations that like the Kidney Foundation of Canada and those organizations that actually deal with the patients during this very, very trying time until they actually get a transplant. These organizations are, are, are monetarily challenged. They need money. You've got to realize, Gordon, they're the ones who are really the, uh, the, the middle person between you know, dialysis and a transplant. You know, they provide a lot of care to these people, you know, and they're, and they're money short. There's no question about it. Yeah. yeah. Now, I know I'm being pushy on this point, um, but let, let me say, how about charities raising money and donating it to the foundations and to the hospitals in the way that sometimes will, you know, wealthy people will leave in their wills a donation to a, a cancer hospital or something like that. Would you see any role for that kind of work? Yeah, I do, but I, I, that may be already happening. I don't know. You know, right. oftentimes these, these donations are privately made and, and we really don't know who they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't know either, but I have to say I've never seen. Uh, it doesn't mean to say they don't exist, but I've never seen any appeals for funding for these no. particular centres. No, you're absolutely right. You know, I guess when you make a a charitable donation to the Ottawa Hospital or say Michael's Hospital in Toronto or Toronto Western Hospital, the lung centre is, you know, it just goes probably into a big pot. <laughs> But you've yeah. got to realize that in Ontario, uh, the Children Gift for Life Network, which is an agency of the Ministry of Health, I think their budget is about $60, $70 million a year. So that's coming from the tax dollars, and they're really the, the agency to make this happen. So I think that's quite a significant amount. Right. Good. Good. Good answers. Thank you. Now, different question of a different kind. What's your message to families, 
family caregivers and parents grieving the death of a child. What's your message? Well, it's difficult. I mean, you know, we, we have children, you know, and we're well, grandparents now, but, you know, we, you never, you always think you're, you're gonna, your children are going to outlive you, you know. And, you know, unfortunately for a lot of families, that just doesn't happen. I think, you know, when you see a child is sick or a child is in a, an accident, you know, and, you know, the probability that child is going to die, you know, you, I think you got to you, you come, you, you got to come to grips with the situation. And I think, you know, your morality and your religion, your thing really helps you through these very, very, very difficult times. Grieving is a wonderful thing. And we were really consoled knowing we had a lot of friends, we had a lot of people. And even after Sarah's death and the, their transplantation, we had a lot of people from the Ottawa Hospital. We got involved to a big extent with, you know, the, these transplant surgeons at the Ottawa Hospital, at the, at the London Health Center. Really, these surgeons from all over Canada. And we, 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 we addressed hospitals, young residents, you know, in, in Kingston, Toronto. I think London, Ontario residents, young doctors to say, you know, transplantation is a very important thing at work. You know, so I think we were really we were engaging a lot of people in our experience and telling them, you know, transplantation's got to be a big foot. It's got to be a very big footprint at, a, at this hospital because it works. It can really work, and it does work. And what you're describing is something that's run very well, that's effective. And what you're also describing is the power of the voice of you your wife and people like you saying to the professionals what you're doing is important um, and you're saying to them we admire what you're doing please keep it up and we'll act as your promoters, we'll act as your uh, cheerleaders and if you wanted us to we might even be prepared to help you raise some money yeah. okay now, I think that's a very good message to end this episode. Well, thank on. you very much. Is this the end of it, Dr. Athery? Pretty well. I'm just going to wind <laughs> <Okay>. up. <laughs> I'm just going to wind up, first okay. of all, by saying thank you to you for sharing with us all the things you did share, your experience, your insights, and your advice, and also your emotion. Well, I'm um, also a little disturbed with myself that I, that I really screwed up on the date. <laughs> It happens to the best of us. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Atherley, and I'll, I'll, we'll keep in touch. We sure will. Thank and I you. also want to thank say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. And in, in our next episode, we'll talk about radio broadcasting as a professional career for people with blindness. So please join us. Same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.